All right, well, we're going to get into the teaching of the Word today. Um, I got to preach fast today, man. We, we soaked in the presence of God there, and, and uh, I, I want to get through this today because I've been excited about this. Last October... Here on Kauai, we did a Bible reading marathon, right? Several churches got together, and we read the Bible out loud over our island from cover to cover, did it in like five days, and it was one of those things where you just signed up, and when you got there, you just picked up where the last person left off, and you just kept reading. Well, one of the times that I signed up for, I ended up reading the second half of Second Chronicles, and so I was reading out loud the story of King Hezekiah and the reforms that he made in, in, in the southern kingdom of Judah. And there was something powerful about reading it out loud. And then a couple months later, we read Second Chronicles as a part of our rooted Bible reading monthly calendar. And so we read through it again, and it just struck me again how powerful it was what Hezekiah accomplished. And it really just stuck in my spirit to where I was like, man, I want to bring this to the church. And so this has been several months in the making, but we're actually going to spend the next three Sundays talking about King Hezekiah and studying his life. And so we've titled this series, All In. All in. Obviously, that phrase became famous because it's a poker term, right? When, when, uh, when, when you think you've got the winning hand or you think you're, you're courageous enough to bluff that you've got the winning hand and you want to force everybody out, you just say all in, right? I'm going to push all my chips to the center of the table. And if I win, I'm going to reap the reward. And if I lose, I'm done. But either way, I'm going to take the chance to go all in, Right? Well, that's what we want to talk about with King Hezekiah because that's exactly how he lived his life for the Lord. Man, right from the day one, he pushed all of his chips to the center of the table and said, I'm all in. We might win. We might lose. This whole thing might fall apart, but I'm going to put all my trust in this one hand. And what was his one hand? It was the Lord God. And he said, I'm all in on God. Let's learn a little bit about King Hezekiah here. 2 Kings chapter 18. We're going to get to 2 Chronicles in a minute. But Hezekiah, his story is told in both 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. 2 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 1, it says, Now it came about in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, became king. So first off, we're introduced to who Hezekiah's father was. His father was King Ahaz. And King Ahaz was an awful human being. He was not a good man. He had abandoned the God of his fathers. He had encouraged pagan worship in Israel, even to the point where he encouraged people to burn their own children alive on the altar in worship of pagan gods. And so Ahaz burned some of his own sons alive on the altar. And so Hezekiah, very well, some of his brothers, maybe half-brothers, were burned on an altar to pagan gods because of his father. King Ahaz was so into worshiping false gods and turned his back so completely on the one true God that he actually banned the worship of the one true God. In fact, he took the temple doors and he shut them and he closed the gates and he kept them locked so that nobody could go to the temple and worship the one true God. They could only worship on the false altars and the pagan altars that he had set up all over the kingdom of Judea. So this is Hezekiah's father, right? This is the kingdom that Hezekiah was raised under. 
Verse 2, he was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. Now, Abby is actually a shortened version of the name, um, which is actually surprising that whoever wrote Second Kings felt comfortable enough to, to use a, a nickname for the queen mother. Her name was actually Abijah, and, you know, it was Abby for short. So how did Hezekiah, coming from King Ahaz, this, this awful human being and these horrible pagan things that he saw in the kingdom, how did Hezekiah become a man who became all in for the kingdom of God? Well, it's because kings didn't raise their children. That's why. Children of the king were raised by their mothers. And so Hezekiah was raised by Abijah. It says here that Abijah was the daughter of Zechariah. Who was Zechariah? It's hard to tell exactly. But in Isaiah chapter 8, we read of a Zechariah who was a close friend of Isaiah. And so there's very good chance that Abbey's or Abijah's father, Zechariah, was close with Isaiah, the prophet, the mighty man of God, and that Hezekiah was raised under the influence not only of his mother and of his grandfather, but also under the influence of, of Isaiah himself. And that is the foundation of godliness that was poured in Hezekiah's life. Verse 3. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushtan. And then we get to verses 5 and 6, and this is really kind of the core of the foundation of this all-in teaching series. It says, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him. For he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. Right? It says... There was no king of Judah before him or after him that trusted in the Lord as much as he did. Right? You could probably arm wrestle over whether Hezekiah or Josiah was the greatest king of the kingdom of Judah. But we're just going to focus on Hezekiah. Um, but this is where we're at. And so basically we had King David and King Solomon who were kings of the united kingdom of Israel. But then when it came to the southern kingdom, it says there was no one who trusted God like Hezekiah. Come on, there's a lot of ways we could be described, but wouldn't this be an amazing way for people to write about us? Man, nobody trusted God like that guy. Nobody trusted God like that family. Nobody trusted God like that church. He trusted in the Lord. And what did it look like? He clung to the Lord. Right? That's not just religion. Clinging to the Lord is not just going through the motions. Clinging to the Lord is not just following the rules. Clinging to the Lord is an intimacy, a dependence, a desperation. He did not depart from following God. So this is the foundation of understanding who Hezekiah was. And this is what we're going to build off of here for these next three Sundays. And so today for part one, I want to talk about being all in on the presence of God. All in on the presence of God. And if you've got your notes with you, you can find your notes either inside the bulletin 
Or if you're on our digital campus, you can find them attached to the video or attached to the podcast. But if you've got your notes, you can see that here's our big picture point today. Is that we stand on the verge of a mighty move of God as we must all make the decision whether we will go all in on his presence and on his calling. We're going to dig into 2 Chronicles 29 today, and we're going to see that Israel, or, or the southern kingdom of Judah, was right on the verge of a mighty move of God. God was about to do something. In fact, they called it the suddenly of God, right? Something happened suddenly, and they were right on the verge of it. And here we have Hezekiah, who had already made the decision. Because of the way he had been raised, and the foundation that had been poured into his life, he had already made the decision, I'm all in. But what we're going to see here in 2 Chronicles 29 is that in order to see the movement of God, he needed to invite some more people to be all in with him. And that's what we're going to talk about today is will we receive that invitation to go all in? Will we all push our chips to the center of the table and say, come on, together, we're going to see the suddenly of God in this place. We're going to see the mighty move of God. Let's check this out. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. The first couple of verses is a repeat of, of the, the introduction we just read in 2 Kings 18. It says, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Now let's check out verse 3 here. It says, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Remember, his father, King Ahaz, had closed the temple, barred the gates, shut the gates. Nobody was allowed in. Nobody was allowed to worship the one true God. And what we see here from Hezekiah, and this is what shows that all-in mentality, is that he made opening the access to the presence of God his number one priority. Right? And if you think about presidents of the United States, what do we always talk about with presidents? We talk about their first hundred days in office, right? When a president gets elected and takes office, he is on a mission to get his agenda accomplished in his first hundred days. And then after that, the next three and a half years, he's just trying to hold things together, right? I mean, that's pretty much how it works. Pretty much anything that a president is going to get done, he's going to get done in his first hundred days. And so when a president takes office, he starts talking about his first hundred days agenda, right? And then he goes after it. There are things that he makes a priority, things that he wants to be marked by, things that he wants to be remembered for. Well, King Hezekiah, he didn't even try to accomplish this in his first hundred days. He made this his priority on day one. It says in the first month of his first year as king, and then a little further down in verse 17, it says on the first day of that month. So literally, the very first day that Hezekiah became king, the very first thing that he did was open up access to the presence of God again. This was his number one priority. He opened up access to the presence of God. He reopened the temple. Listen, what does the Bible say now? The Bible says that we are the temple of God. And that every one of us can carry the presence of God within us. 
We don't have to go into a certain room. Yeah, we like this room. This is a great room to meet in. But we don't have to go into this room to encounter the presence of God. We are the temple. We are carriers of the presence of God. And so I want to encourage us as we embrace this all-in mentality, we have to make it our number one priority that nothing is going to hinder our access to the presence of God. There is going to be no excuses. There is going to be uh, no decisions that we make that are going to hinder our access. We need to fling open the gates, right? Come on, this is frozen all over again. Come, whoo, We're going to open up the gates. Nothing, right? Whatever season of your life you're in, you can find excuses about why you're not all in on the presence of God. Right? Well, you know, it's just because we have kids, right? When, when we're done with the kids, then we'll be all in. Right? Well, it's just a really busy season at work, but when I get through this really busy season at work, well, you know, it's, you know my, my parents are, 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 are getting older, and I have to take care of them. Every season of life, we can find an excuse about why we're not all in on the presence of God. But listen, if we can't make the decision today, if we're going to allow something to close the gates today, then we'll find a new reason for the gates to stay closed tomorrow and a new reason for them to stay closed in the next season of life. It's time to say, you know what? No excuses. We're not going to let anything else be the Lord of our life except the Lord himself. We're going to open up the gates, and we're going to make sure that nothing hinders our access to the presence of God. Whether that requires time, sacrifice, devotion, whatever it takes, we're going to open up the gates. The house of God was closed. It was defiled. And they needed to reopen it. Listen, if you're here today and you have a hard time opening yourself up to the presence of God, because regardless of what the Bible says about you being forgiven, you just can't seem to receive it. You can't seem to forgive yourself. You say, I'm defiled. I'm too far gone. There's too much shame. There's just too much that I've done. And I, I appreciate that God loves me, but I just, I, I'm, I can't open up. Listen, the temple was closed and defiled. There were awful, horrible things that were done in the temple, horrible idols that were brought in. And it says in a moment, they were able to cleanse the temple, and the temple was open for spiritual business again. There was kingdom of God business taking place in the temple again. I want to encourage you today, no matter what shame you carry with you, no matter what sin you have brought with you, there is nothing that is too far gone that the blood of Jesus can't cleanse you immediately and reopen your life for some spiritual business in your life. Amen? Come on. God has forgiven us. We need to learn how to forgive ourselves and receive everything that he has given us. All right, so here we are. Day one, first day of the first month of his first year as king, the first thing he does is open up the temple. And this is amazing, right? Because if you think about the condition that they were in, 
Because they had turned their backs on God, God had turned them over to judgment. And this was a a small kingdom of Judah that had just experienced major defeat at the hand of the Aramites. And many of them had been carried away captive to Damascus. They had just been slaughtered by their own kinsmen from the northern kingdom. Over 100,000 people were slaughtered by their own kinsmen. And then, of course, you had Assyria moving in on all sides that was the largest, most powerful empire the the world had ever known and every nation in the Middle East was was shaken at, at, at knowing that Assyria was coming and so here we had the kingdom of Judah they were defeated they were slaughtered they were in captivity they were in fear all of these things there was a lot of different things that King Hezekiah could have made a priority but he made priority number one the presence of God Because he knew that if we can make that priority number one, everything else will take care of itself. We got to be all in on the presence of God. So what does he do when he opens up the temple? He invites some people to join him on this all-in mission. Let's pick it up in verse 4. It says, He brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them into the square on the east. We know that the, the Levites, the tribe of Levi, were the ones who were called to the priesthood. They were the ones who were called to serve in the temple. And so these are the people that Hezekiah gathers. And this is the speech that he gives to the Levites as he gathered them. And then he said to them, Listen to me, O Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and and carry the uncleanness out from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done evil in the sight of the Lord our God and have forsaken him and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and have turned their backs. They have also shut the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord was against Judah and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of terror, of horror, and of hissing, as you have seen with your own eyes. For behold, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his burning anger may turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to minister to him, and to be his ministers and burn incense. Let's talk today about the invitation to go all in. I see three things in here that Hezekiah addresses in this invitation. And my alliteration game was on point this week because they all start with C. Hallelujah. The invitation to go all in. What does he start with in verse 5? He says, Levites, consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord. The first part of this invitation to go all in is consecration. In fact, we read about how they carried it out in, in verse 16 here of Second Chronicles 29. It says, So the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and every unclean thing which they found in the temple of the Lord, they brought out to the court of the house of the Lord. Then the Levites received it to carry it out to the Kidron Valley. Right. So the priests went into the holy place because they were the only ones that were allowed to. They carried out the unclean items, and then the Levites were waiting outside in the courtyard. They took the unclean items, 
They didn't just get them out of the temple. They got them all the way to the Kidron Valley, which was a place of burning. It was basically a trash heap. So they took this stuff to burn it. Consecration is a process of cleansing. It's a process of getting things out of the house. Right? It's a process of getting things out of our lives. And we don't want to just get them a little bit out of our lives. Right? Like, well, I'm going to take this out, but I'm going to still set it in arm's reach because, you know, I'd still like to go get it back here soon. No, they took it way outside the temple. They took it all the way to the Kidron Valley, and they burned it. Man, as a youth pastor, I loved burning stuff. Man, it was awesome because it got the kids' attention. But man, if there was a kid who just wanted to change in their life, man, and they wanted to get rid of something out of their life, I was like, come on, let's light the trash can on fire. Let's burn it. Let's, let's, let's get rid of it completely. I still remember when my best friend Bruce got saved and gave his heart to the Lord. And this was, man, I was probably, what, 19 years old, 20 years old. And he, got, he went to church and he got saved and he said, I don't want to get high anymore. And he had all the paraphernalia, right? All the all the 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 smoke and stuff and all the things. And he said, That's right, Max. I wasn't gonna say it, but Max said it. He had his collection of bongs, all right. So and Bruce said, I'm gonna get rid of all this stuff. I'm gonna go throw it in the lake. And I was like, dude. Just give it to me. Don't, don't waste that stuff, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not going to Jesus. I'm not getting clean. But no, Bruce didn't want to give it to me. He didn't want to spread it to anybody else. He didn't want to keep it in arm's reach. We went down to the pond there in Santee in Southern California, and I stood there and watched him as he chucked every last one of those things into the water. There is a consecration. There is a cleansing. Let's get this stuff out. If there is anything in us that is hindering the presence of God, if there is anything in us that is not glorifying the name of God, let's get it out. And let's not just get it a little bit out. Let's get it all the way to the Kidron Valley. Let's get it completely gone. Mark Batterson, who is a pastor in Washington, D.C., he wrote a book called All In. And I love this. This is his definition of consecration. He said, consecration is going all in and all out for the one who is our all in all. Right? All in and all out for the one who is our all in all. Right? That nothing is too far. No sacrifice is too great. Right? No sin is too small to be cleansed out of our lives to go all in and all out for the one who is our all in all. In fact, check out this passage from his book. He said this. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical. It's the norm. It's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. It's time to go all in and all out for the all in all. Come on, can I get a hallelujah? consecration the second thing we read after he describes what has become of the kingdom of judah right we've become an object of terror and horror and hissing and we've fallen by the sword our sons and daughters and our wives were taken into captivity and then we get to verse 10 and he says now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the lord god of israel the second part of our invitation to go all in is covenant 
And I believe when Hezekiah was saying this, he wasn't just talking about getting back to the, the basics of the old covenant, right? The, 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 the sacrifices and all of that. No, he was talking about something very personal. He says, it's in my heart, right? He's saying, I want to go further. I want to go further than just the rules. I want to go further than just the law. I want to go further than just the rituals. I want to be in a, such a relationship with, Lord, with the Lord that there would be this unbreakable covenant. Right? This invitation to go all in is to go beyond the rules and the traditions. It's to go beyond just church attendance. It's to go beyond just the, the, the smiles and how you doing. Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Come on, I'm doing great. No, it's to go beyond that. To go to this place of being in personal covenant with the Lord. It's in my heart to be in covenant. And then verse 11, he says, my sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him. The third C, you might think it was chosen, but I actually wrote calling. But you can write either one because they both start with C, so I'm cool with it. All right. The invitation to go all in. They were chosen. There was a calling that was put on this group that he was speaking to. And he told them, don't be negligent. There's an urgency to this. Don't be negligent with the calling. Who was he speaking to? He was speaking to the Levites and to the priests. So how does this apply to us today? Well, in Peter's epistles, he said that we as the church, we as followers of Jesus, that we are the priesthood. Have you guys read that before? We are the priesthood. And that means... That we can take what was expected of the priesthood of the Old Testament and look at how it applies to our life. So what is the calling to go all in? Well, there were three things in the holy place that the priests were responsible for, right? There was the most holy place that only the high priest went to. Who's the high priest? Jesus. There you go. Jesus is the high priest. He went to a place that only he could go to, right? He said to his followers, where I'm going, you can't follow. But don't worry, I'm going to come back and get you one day. So Jesus went to the most holy place, but we as the priesthood, our responsibility is to go into the holy place. And in the holy place, there were three things that the priests were supposed to tend to and to take care of. The first was the altar of incense. Right? We just read this in, in Hezekiah's speech. He said that they had not offered the, the burned incense. The altar of incense was in the holy place. How does this apply to us? Incense is always symbolic of prayer and praise. Prayer and praise going up to the Lord. So they would always burn the incense so that symbolically prayer and praise was going to the Lord. So what is our calling as the priesthood? What is our calling as the followers of Christ to go all in? It's to go all in on prayer and praise. It's to dedicate that time to seek the Lord in prayer. It's to dedicate that time to lift up his name and to praise his name. The second thing that was in the holy place was the table of showbread. And they were to take care of this, to rotate out the bread at the proper time. What did the table of showbread represent? It represented Jesus himself. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. And we know that Jesus is the Word, right? In the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
So what does it mean to tend to the table of showbread? It means intimacy with Jesus. It means to be all in on spending time close with him. It means to be all in on the word of God, to to read the word, to study the word, to allow the word to soak into our hearts. And the third thing that was in the holy place was the golden lampstand. And it was their job to make sure that the lamps were always lit. What did Hezekiah say in his speech just now? He said, they put the lamps out. The fire wasn't burning anymore. What does the lampstand represent in our lives? Evangelism, right? What did Jesus say? So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are supposed to keep the light shining in our lives so that everywhere that we live our lives and every way that we live our lives, people are drawn to the light of God that is in our lives. And so if we are going to be the holy priesthood, if we are going to receive this invitation to go all in, then we have to be all in on consecration. We have to be all in on covenant. And we have to be all in on our calling. And our calling is to prayer and praise. Our calling is to Jesus and intimacy with him. Our calling is to evangelism and to letting our light shine. Thank you, Jesus. I got to stop. Sugi and the worship team, once you guys come back up. So what happened? Well, what happened is the priests and the Levites responded to the invitation. And they said, yes, Hezekiah, we're with you. And they began to carry out exactly what he asked. It took them 16 days to cleanse the temple. 16 days to get everything out of it and consecrate it. And so on the 17th day, they had a crazy rockin' church service. They got the musicians back out. They established the worship and the corporate music just like King David had established it so many years before. And they're singing and playing the instruments and dancing. And they're bringing in the animals for the animal sacrifices don't worry we don't have to do that part anymore Jesus died once for all but this huge worship service broke out and everybody's glorifying God and everybody's praising God and people are bringing in the offerings and all of this is happening and we get to the last verse of the chapter verse 36 and it says then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what God had prepared for the people because the thing came about suddenly The thing came about suddenly. There is a suddenly of God. There is a movement of God. There is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And our responsibility, our decision is to say, you know what? I'm going to be all in. It's God's timing. It's God's responsibility to bring the suddenly moment. But here's the thing. Now, we are a charismatic church, and so as charismatics, we love the suddenlies. We love to talk about, well, man, he did drugs all his life, and then, man, just in a moment, suddenly everything changed, right? Or we like to talk about, man, just in a moment, their marriage was healed. Or just in a, we love to talk about all of that. And yes, the suddenlies happen, but there's usually a lot of work behind the suddenlies. There's a lot of work behind the suddenlies. And I want to encourage us that our responsibility is to make a decision to go all in and to consistently sow into the right things. And if we will consistently sow into the right things, we'll start seeing the suddenlies. But our job is not just to sit around and hope a suddenly comes. No, our job is to go all in, to give ourselves to this thing and to keep sowing into this thing. And then we'll start seeing the suddenlies. 
I went fishing a couple of months ago, and I'm super new to Hawaiian shoreline fishing. And so anytime somebody takes me fishing, I just tell them, hey, assume I know nothing and show me how to fish. Because that's pretty accurate, all right? That's pretty close to being true. And so I went out with Donald a couple months ago, and I said that. He's like, okay, so he showed me. So he showed me how we set up the line, and then we start fishing. So we're down there at shipwrecks just casting and, 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 and reeling in and casting there off the shoreline at shipwrecks. And I'm doing it, and I'm not catching anything. And I'm doing it, and I'm not catching anything. And when we started, Donald and I were standing right next to each other. But then I noticed that Donald kept kind of moving further down the beach. And next thing you know, he's about 30, 40 yards away from me. And now I'm watching him. And all of a sudden, he's catching fish. Man, he's got one. A few minutes later, got another one. And I'm just casting like. And, and what do you start to think when you see that? You start to think, he's doing something different. He changed his setup, and he didn't tell me. Come on, he let the new guy stand over here, right? Is this some kind of initiation, uh, right? We assume when we see somebody else getting the breakthrough, we assume that they've got some secrets that we don't have. So finally, I got fed up with it. I reeled in my line, and I walked over there, and I said, Donald, what are you doing different, and why didn't you tell me? And he said, I'm not doing anything different, Pastor. You just got to keep casting. And the moment he said that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Come on. Too many times we just think that there's some secret. And if we could just find that secret, right? The secret to church growth. The secret to a great marriage. The secret to healing. The secret to deliverance. If, if we could just find the secret, we would have it all. And here's the secret. There is no secret. The secret is you just got to keep casting your line in over and over again. And wouldn't you know it, I started catching some fish. Will you stand up with me today? Come on, Kauai Bible Church. This is an invitation to go all in. This is a declaration that we're on the verge of some suddenlies of God. And God is looking for some people who will push their chips to the center of the table and will say, you know what? I'm just going to keep casting my line in. I'm going to keep casting it in. I don't know if my suddenly is going to come today, next week, next month, or next year. But until it comes, I'm going to keep casting my line in. Come on, we're going to cast the line in and we're going to start seeing suddenlies. We're going to start seeing marriages suddenly restored. We're going to start seeing people suddenly set free from addiction. We're going to start seeing people suddenly come to Jesus. We're going to start seeing the Holy Spirit poured out and people suddenly becoming more passionate than they've ever come before. Right? We're going to start seeing these suddenlies. And yes, we're going to praise God for the suddenlies, but we're going to know. We're going to know it didn't come easy. It didn't come because we were sitting around. It came because we were casting our line in and casting in our line in. Come on, can we just lift our hands up to the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, God, we give you all the praise in this place. As Hezekiah stood before the Levites and invited them all in, so today, Lord, you stand before us and you invite us as your priesthood, as Kauai Bible Church, as this expression of your holy church, you're inviting us to come all in. And Lord, we say, here we are. Here we are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to worship together here for just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. And I just want you to respond to the Lord in whatever way you need to. Is there some consecration that needs to happen right now as we sing? Is there some covenant that needs to happen right now as we sing? Is there some 
casting that needs to happen right now? Is there a decision that needs to be made that says, I'm going to go all in. I'm not going to be negligent to my responsibility as part of the priesthood. I'm going to go all in on the presence of God. I'm going to go all in on prayer and praise. I'm going to go all in on Jesus and his word. I'm going to go all in on letting my light shine. I'm going to go all in. Come on, however the Lord needs to deal with you, let him deal with you today. And let's make a decision. And if you need somebody to walk with you through that decision, you come find me. You come find any of the elders, the leaders of this church. You just find somebody and say, who do I talk to? I want to go to the next level. I need somebody's help. And we'll go all in together. And we'll see the suddenlies of God. Come on, let's worship. Let the Holy Spirit deal with you today.